Um, old, old Queen Victoria came over here in uh, 1903. And I remember standing up on the hill at 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 at, at Sea Point. It's it's uh, the uh, Ardenza Terrace. It was a big hill at at the end of it, and you could see right over into into the harbour down there. And I remember her coming in, you see. There was millions, millions and millions down there. Uh, and what, what I mostly remember uh, was, we went up to the top of, of uh, Seapoint Avenue. And we saw the whole procession of the, of, of the, uh, the Queen coming in from John Leary, you see. She was a very old woman then, you know. And uh, all, all, all the cavalry and everything, you know, was, was a, I can remind it down on magnificent sights of uh, uh, cav uh, cavalry uh, helmets were, were, were shone like silver, you know. And, and uh, the brass parts were, were like gold, and, and the way the, the horses, of course, the horses were magnificent. They, 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 they were nearly in step. They were so, so, so well trained that you, you nearly saw them all rising up and down like that, you see, instead of just jumping up and down. You know what I mean? It, uh, 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 there was a lot of unison in it. And of course, at the corner there, it was the old tram stables. Do you see? Um, then they brought her, they brought her into Dublin Castle. Of course, as as I say, she was she was very she was very old at the time, and she uh, didn't remember remember things at all. Do you see? to tell a great story about her. Uh, anyway, they got her into Dublin Castle, into the Royal Rooms, you see. <laughs> and uh, she had her dinner, I suppose, and everything else. And uh, came to time to, to put her to bed, do you see? <laughs> and when she woke up in the morning, she looked round at the, looked round at, at the room and she says to to the her lady in waiting or whatever you call them, uh, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Oh, madam, you're in uh, you're in in uh, the royal quarters in Dublin Castle. And she says for a moment, and who what bloody idiot brought me over here? <laughs> and now this reminds me of a. A naughty story. I hope you can take this as a naughty story or as as you like. Of of old Lady Aberdeen, she was a terrible old bee. But uh, they went away for their holidays. Do you see? As they usually did every every year. And when uh, when there was or uh, were away, of course, all the all all the, all the rooms were redecorated. Everything was redecorated for them. And 
came back, I don't know what it was, if they came back a day before, or, or a couple of days before they were due, you see, and they were only fi finishing off uh, uh, the bedrooms, do you see? And one morning, she came out of her bedroom, do you see, and looked down the hall, and there was a painter, you know, and said, Come here, my man, come here, my man, come here, my man. And he says, you know, fighting his hair, you know. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, you know what to do this kind of thing. Come here, my man, I want to show you where his lordship put his hand last night. It was on the paint, you know, the paintwork was all wet. And, and you know what he said? His answer was, I'd sooner have a bottle of stout, ma'am. <laughs> History is a funny thing. It tries, according to the scholars, to be accurate and unbiased and complete. But the vast majority of us see what we see and hear what we hear. And no amount of scholarly research will ever convince us that things were otherwise. The history of our own times, in particular, is a mixture of our own faulty information, incomplete facts, rumour, anecdotes and propaganda which at a later stage we would perhaps have discounted, but were then disposed to believe. Alf Mackenzie was three years old at the turn of the 20th century. He has, as we all do, a selective, and as some of us would like to have, a highly varied, and as his friends know, a racy and humorous set of recollections of his times and the events that touched him. And people too, the people we read of in the history books but seen in a different, perhaps more human light. Uh, it was during the tra tram strike, anyway, and uh, uh, Larkin uh, 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 was going to have a, a, a huge meeting in, in, in uh, O'Connell Street. And of course, the co police and everything were, they were, they were drafted in from even from England. So that uh, he'd never get to O'Connell Street. So all of a sudden, the Sh in the Shelburne, uh, 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 yes, the Gresham Hotel, uh, uh, a fellow walked out on the bal balcony, and there it was laughing. But he was dressed as a priest. You see, he'd got through the, the whole crowd dressed as a priest, and he swore he'd be there, and they swore he wouldn't. Uh, but the trams were, the trams were, uh, transport in those days was more efficient than it is today. And the, 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 the transport today is, 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 uh, is chaos compared to what it was in those days. The trams, there was this fast tra uh, uh, tra tram that left Dorky at nine o'clock, or uh, half past eight, do you see? And it only took a half an hour to go into town. And we had to be in Blackrock College at at, uh, at uh, nine o'clock. But the the driver and the driver of the tram, we we, we go up, get up the t top of Belgrave Square. And, and wait there, and he'd slow right down. And we get on the tram, do you see? And then 
when we came to Blackrock though they stopped at Blackrock when we came to Blackrock College he slowed right down so as we got off he, he didn't stop but you see it slowed to such a such a, a way that it was only just going like that you see <laughs> then those, those are kind of the, um, little things that you that remained in my mind another time the the exhibition exhibition in 1907 uh, my father was uh, was one of those uh, was one of the uh, uh, people that uh, got us up you know and then presented Herbert Park to uh, to uh, the Ballsbridge uh, Corporation well, there was a corporation then you see it's only later on that it, it was incorporated in in Dublin, you see. And uh, it was the last day of the exhibition, you see. And the brother wanted me to wanted to get out, you see. They couldn't get get a message, as there was very very few phones in those days. Um, he uh, he said to me. He said, see here, Alf, I'll give you a shilling. And I know a shilling in those days was, was quite a mighty amount of you. It was wealth. If he says to you, if you take sneak out and take this uh, letter home to mother. So I never got my bomb. <laughs> and I got out, out of the side door of Blackrock College. And uh, I got the letter to, to mother. And I got and it was caught coming back in again, you see. And uh, I was logged up before the uh, prefect. I said, you're not going to flog me for it, I'm not going to let you. And I got behind the bedwood chair and I said, now you come near me and I'll brain you with this bloody chair. You know, I met him years after he, uh, down in Bray, I've been married now, about four years. You see, and uh, and he, he 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 reminded me of the story. You see, the whole thing. I was going to braid him with the chair, so uh, I was sent home. Expelled, it was. Don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington. Don't put your daughter on the stage. The profession is overcrowded and the struggle's pretty tough. And admitting the fact she's burning to act, it's really not enough. She has nice hands to give the wretched girl her due, but don't you think her bust is so... Oh, the Theatre Royal was, 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 was smashing. So, so was all that. I, I just I, I talking about... Those theatres the other day, the Olympia, and then there was there was there was uh, there was uh, a little theatre in in in, in Brunswick Street. What's this they called? But it all it went 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 it always went in for these thrillers, you know, the. Uh, the bad la um, landlord, you know that thing. He's going to throw them out on the on the street. You see, 
or he was trying to go to try and rape the daughter or some damn thing. You know, yeah, that was that's the background, and I'm not telling you what what it was, but uh, if if the, I remember one time there was a, I, I'll never forget this one. There was one play on there, and it was the the, the title of it was "The Face of the Window." And it was on, it was threatens to get in. <laughs> threatens to get in. And then we had to get uh, Tuppence to uh, return ticket from, from Seapoint Station because we were living there uh, to Watson Row. So you had to have about sixpence or sevenpence. And now this is before the First World War. And sixpence or sevenpence was a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was a hell of a lot of money. You walk around and you jingle that in your pocket, you were a walking bloody millionaire. But we used to always go when we get one of these things, and then then there ones up up in the up in the the gods. It gets it gets so excited at the at the maybe the the villain would be creeping in 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 the, in, in you know uh, onto a character or something uh, and creeping in looking all around and seeing that wasn't being followed and 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 you'd hear all the other ones shouting he's at your back he's at your back he's at your back. <laughs> An awful lot of the grain ships came into Dublin, you see, from Australia. You see, instead of getting uh, down down round the south of England where the subs were, they came up the, the centre of the Atlantic and then pulled into Ireland. And you see, they came to Dublin because it was easy just to reship it uh, across, across, uh, across uh, to Hollyhead or to Liverpool. But it took took uh, this uh, one that I I I I'm talking about was a sailing ship, you know, one of those big huge sailing ships carrying about three to five thousand tons of grain. And <laughs> the old captain was an old Rue. But he uh, uh had they'd been at sea for six months. And the first night, he uh, the first first day he arrived, you see, he was up in the office, and uh, he wanted eight thousand pounds. So uh, that well. That, that was all right. That, that was no, that was no trouble. Uh, but the trouble was, uh, somebody had to take about that night, and the other two brothers wouldn't touch him. But the four, three brothers wouldn't touch him. It was bloody forty foot pole, and of course, it 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 came on 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 to to me. And the old Red Bank was in in in. Uh, existence in those days. So we went to the Red Bank. Uh, 
and I had a few jars and I had uh, our dinner. And I was coming up to about nine o'clock then, he says, I, I, it was the Granny Theatre we could go to. And of course there was, there was the, the Tibley. And we could only get, get a, a, a box, you see, and it was on the second floor. Well, in those days, you see, the women were all bums and boozers. That's the way they, they made themselves up. Boozing well out, the bum well out, with the corset, you know. So we we went to the theatre and the usual old, old, old vaudeville shows were on. I, and of course, now when I mentioned this fellow had been been at sea for six six months, I wanted to you'll get the the, the gist of the story. So out came a. An actress singing, you see. And she took great big booze with a great big uh, backside on her. And she was uh, singing one of these, I forget, uh, you know, op operatic songs, you see. And the old captain, when he saw it, his eyes nearly came out of his head. The booze was. She came to go, oh, you know, which gliding across the across the bloody stage, you know, singing and uh, to not to anybody and you know to the crowd. And she came to, uh, to underneath our box and was singing out to the crowd. She was singing up, and here was a old captain hanging over the side of the box. You know, the next thing happens. He fell off the box into the stage. <laughs> the rising took took that uh, <coughs> place in uh, in in nineteen sixteen. Well, I'd left school then, and I was uh, <coughs> with Keenan Company, the chartered accountants. I was uh, an apprentice there, and uh, that that there was the, the, the funniest place. Around. The whole damn lot of the fellows in it were all in the in the in the, in the uh, uh, IRA. And there were soldiers in it too. And the top office, and that was the it, it was in Dame Street there. Uh, Law Union office, of course. We we had the whole offices. The top office. The desks and everything were filled with rifles. Well, you never saw anything like it. We were afraid of. Well, God, if, if, if we'd have been raided, uh, we'd have been all taken in. But I used to bring the letters which were given in the, in the office. I used to take them up my, you see, it was I used to dress myself up with white spats and, and little green cane. You know, it was that age, do you see? 
<coughs> and of course, the, the, the black and tans, tans really roar laughing in your face. But I was carrying the dispatches up to the, the to uh, oh, what uh, oh, had his name? Uh, Mc, McBride. That's what I used to do. do. I used to go out at eleven o'clock. On an old Buckley. One one day he came up. Uh, he never, he never used to come up. He came up to the top office, you see, and he was looking for something. And he opened the desk and he knew the fact who had dropped dead with the guns and ammunition and everything in it. And then he went round the place. He says, Christ almighty, is this the bloody Sinn Féin joint? I, I, I was the only one there. I don't, I don't know, sir, if I'm not. Uh, I, I've never looked in those desks in my life. I only used my own and there's nothing in it. By the mid-twenties, Alf, whose family were in a fair way of business in Dublin, as we've heard, was established as an accountant, not by any means the most popular trade in Ireland at the time. Like many another, and indeed many a poorer man before and after him, he made for the new world to make his fortune. You know, in America is so egotistical. They couldn't believe that anything could happen to him, you know. Does, does it... Uh, oh, where was that person's name? That they were uh, financially and everything so strong that uh, uh, <coughs> the rest of the world would go, but never New York. New York went bad. I don't don't suppose you ever heard of the penny dinners here. Well, they had the same kind of thing there. It was very bad. Very bad. There was uh, an awful lot of fellas going round with hardly any shoes on them, and all that. They were right, with, they were right, right bad. And uh, uh, asking for dimes for everybody to get a cup, a cup of coffee or something like that. Oh no. Then of course it was uh, uh, when the uh, when the market crashed. Oh, Jeepers! They were jumping out of the the, the big fellas now were jumping out of the the top uh, top windows of the office. You could uh, you uh, you took your life in your hand if you walked down down uh, 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 <coughs> Wall Street. These people they sent me out to Chicago to do a in of a of a huge iron and coal mine people they had their head office in Chicago and uh, 
Travelling between there and and, and uh, Nebraska, uh, 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 all, all, all over a period of nearly six months there. But I used to travel when I had to go to get certain information. I went went to the thing. So I used to set uh, to, to set, stay, stay in the the Drake Hotel, all magnificent hotel there, on the on on the bay, you see, and. Uh, I used to get into a lot of, lot of <laughs> kind of trouble. You know what I mean? I one one, one time was out in the Al Capone's place in Cicero, and I got playing poker, and I won a hell of a lot of money. And I didn't know how in the name of God I was going to get out of it because, hey, uh, you thought. From all you were reading in the papers and everything else, that <laughs> anyone like that appeared, appeared uh, that you're a bloody well shot, you got out the thing. But I, to tell you the honest truth, I, I, I won about uh, $3,000, and that was a lot of money in those days, you see. And I wanted to get home, and I, I was frightened, and I didn't know what the hell to do. So I said to the fellas, well, I'm off, and I got up and uh, uh, walked away from the table. And one fellow said, hey, what about your money? I said, you can keep it. They, they said, what do you mean? <coughs> <coughs> Look, said I, I want to get to the door. I want to get a taxi, and I want to get home. I don't want the money. They stuffed it in my pocket, put me in the taxi, and sent me to the Drake Hotel. That was that was the, the biggest surprise I ever had in my life. To tell you the honest truth. I was staying outside, just outside London, in a place. And anyway, one night I was sitting in the sitting room reading, do you see, and in a big chair like this. And I, of course, I never bothered to go, to, uh, to go out uh, if, when the raids were on. I said, where the hell was there to go? You're out in the street, you might as well stay where you are, do you see? And I heard this this plane coming. There was a raid on Annie. Oh, it was just. Now I was waiting. I guess. I guess. It was. It was near Battersea. Uh, and uh, all the time they were trying to to get the big electricity station at Battersea. Now. Anyway, I heard the first bomb co 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 drop, do you see? You used to try to count a drop in trees. You know, everything got, 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 got mechanically. You know, after a while, in the, in the, that, uh, the, the drop three bombs, one, two, three, uh, at intervals of seconds, you see, and then they'd go on and drop another three bombs, you see. They never did, uh, they never uh, came in and just bombed the whole blasted place with about 
uh, in about 20 or 30 plays. But they were uh, doing this to try and get, get the Battersea Park. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, 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 the second bomb came down, I heard it, and the third one, I heard it coming, I said, this is it. And it was, right into the basement of the house. Blew me all over the, I was in this chair, and turned all over the place. The, the bloody house fell down on me. And I crawled to the, I could see a, a light. That just lights out the window there. And I c- crawled to that, and it was a window, and there was, it was, about the same depth down to the basement, and I jumped out. Uh, ju- jumped out of it, and I was in rags practically. So I went over to a pub there, and when the fellow saw me, he said, "What happened?" I said, "I just was hit. Uh, uh, a bomb has hit the house." Well, he says, "Come on in." He said, "I'll give you a couple of jars." And he was awfully nice to me. He allowed me to stay there. Uh, for about three weeks till I got myself fixed up. Do you see? And then I had no money. And you, I, I couldn't get in touch with Dublin. And I, the dry, I, I was going around with knitting, uh, uh, literally naked. So somebody told me, go down to the... go down to the county council. It was down the road a bit. And tell them your story. And I went down, and I was interviewed. Looked frightfully decent. Uh, they gave me uh, vouchers to get clothes, and and they gave me a ten pound note. You see, and I said, well, that, that after I got the clothes, the ten pound note, I was ready to be back for work again. You see. Japs used to attack us every morning. And there was the most extraordinary thing about them that they uh, they always came at 10 o'clock. They never varied the times. didn't say half past nine, quarter to ten, quarter past ten or anything like that. 10 o'clock on the moment they came over, you see. And they bombed Nisun. Well, I used to get fed up. And uh, this is my, my own personal thing. <laughs> I used to get fed up 
every 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 morning at ten o'clock, the damn bastards coming over and and and, and running down into I, I, into the Ula, which was the rubber rubber plantations all round it. Uh, and I was lying there for about half an hour until you heard them all going back. And then you didn't bother your neck about a thing on the next morning. It was an Australian station, you see. And I was the RAF accountant. And the Australians had to get all the all money from me. Not from, the Australia never supplied any money. It was all supplied by the Air Force. And of course, I the, 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 when I was sent there, I was, uh, an account was opened in the Imperial Bank in which I could draw as much money as I wanted. So they used to come to me on certain days and uh, say they wanted 30,000 pounds, 40,000 pounds or 50,000 pounds, it didn't any matter. Uh, I said, all right, I'll have it for you. I drive into into town, you see. <coughs> Draw the money, hand it to the, to the chief uh, accountant officer of the Australians. Get him to sign for it, and that's all I bloody well ever did. So then I got a bit cute. I said to myself, why the bloody hell should I be here at ten o'clock every bloody morning when the when the Japs had come over and bombed the bloody station? So at ten minutes to ten, I got into my car and I drove to town. I arrived in town just at ten o'clock and down into the vaults of the bank, which was the uh, <laughs> and uh, after that, you see, when it was all over, about half past ten, we'd all come up again, the bank doors had opened and everything, and it was the most extraordinary thing, I lost none of my men out of the, out of the station, but that didn't make any difference. I had, in the meantime, I'd got, got word that uh, there was an a, a evacuation going to take place. So I went down to the station the next morning, do you see? And, and I got on the wrong train. But it was uh, the right train for me. It was to a little little sugar sugar port called Chili Jap. And when we got to Chili Jap, there was a there was a freighter there. I suppose about four thousand tons, and we were all pushed onto this this freighter. And of course, yeah. <coughs> there was only six or seven cabins in it, so you slept in the decks, you slept on anything, it didn't matter a damn what, what you slept on. And at this time, I had 
acquired seven suitcases of money. So I put them out on the deck, you see, and I used to sleep on them. But there was only, there was only enough water on the ship for one cup full of water each a day. There was four and a half thousand of us on it. And we got, we were served, but there was nothing to serve food in it. So when, when the fella came round with a tin of, of kind of stew, and he said, open your hand, and he put a spoonful of food in your hand, you eat it out after that. And that, that happened for 11 days after we got to India. Well, of course, we were all so dirty and everything, but I don't mind telling you, when I took my clothes off, there'd be sweat and dirt and everything threw them over the ship's side that the sank to the bottom. <laughs> but anyway, I went up to the to the accountant officer there and I had these seven bags of uh, the suitcases of money and of course the boys on the ships had nothing and they all wanted to get ashore, you know, after 11 days at sea. <coughs> and I asked him for 300,000 rupees. And he said to me, where the hell would I get 300,000 rupees? I says, in the bank, of course. And he says, well, I, I haven't got 300,000 rupees in the bank. So I called three fellas, uh, four fellas in. And I said, hey, here, boys, come in. And there's a big table there. I said, put those uh, cases on the, on, the, on the table. And I said, open them up so he can have a look at them. And I said, uh, I don't know how much is in this. But I don't care, either, as far as I'm concerned. I said, I want 300,000 rupees for this, for the crew and, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, the members of the Air Force. Oh, he says, I can't do that. You'll have to count it. I turned around and I says to him, I've been 11 days at sea. And each day I got a handful of muck to eat. I'm going out now to buy the biggest bloody steak I can find in, in Italy. And I said, when I come back, I want 300,000 rupees. I says, you count the fucking lot. Another trip to America. We went to Cle uh, Cleveland. I liked Cleveland, so I did. 
It wasn't it, it, it wasn't it wasn't as terrible big as the as the usual American uh, towns. But of course, it had a, it, it had the chief thing, and it was outside Th Cleveland was uh, was the Ford Motor Works, and that they were so big. When you went to a visitor went there, they gave him a little car to drive all around it. Yes, there was, there was a straight mile in it, and you got this little little buggy car and you drove all around it. And I was in many of the big factories there in Cleveland. Uh, this this uh, they had those things for in which uh, to go around. Uh, it was a great. It was a great. Uh, motor car engine that uh, places all the big uh, motor cars that uh, built their engines there you see and uh, that's why you got these colossal factories the rest of the rest of the, the, the places you know there'd be small factories but they're only assembly joints you see because the cars went out the cars went out in a crate the whole car went out in a crate you see to a certain set say Joe Doak and uh, and he, he took, took the wood off the crate and he assembled the car by putting the wheels and everything on it you see I was uh, a travelling auditor in, in the in the, in the audit bureau of circulations do you know anything I'm here in that place audit and newspaper circulation well I was in the, in, in that and I was travelling Oh, I used to travel all over the place, you know, the small papers, you do the audit, you'd be two days there, and, um, and of course I had the wife and the two children with me, and I couldn't bring them along, so. I got a place outside, outside uh, Farley's house, outside Philadelphia for them. <coughs> it was on the seashore, oh, about 12 miles out. And on the horizon was the was the ships. Was, uh, the, I used to go down there every weekend, and all, all the wife always had me a bottle of whiskey. I think I mentioned that before. Uh, what was after that? I came came home. There was a. A, a depression on in America there was no use of me remaining there and I came home and I've been home ever since 